Welcome back to another episode of Cigars and Cinema. Grab a cigar, something to pair it with, and let's journey into another episode of Smoke and Screen. I can go slow ahead. Come on down and chump some addition. You're going to need a bigger potion. All the gin joints in all the towns in all the world. She walks into mine. Is that victory dance? Not until the fat lady sings. The force is with you, young Skywalker. I make it big, big, and give them 10% off. I make it five for Get out of here! Today's episode of Cigars and Cinema is coming to you from the OGT Cigar Society. Enjoy a five-pack of premium custom cigars each month at an undeniable price. Join the community and smoke with us on the Oakland Tobacconist YouTube channel as we delve into the rich experience of boutique and craft cigars and many cigars and Vitolas custom-made just for our membership. If you're interested and if you want to find out more about the subscription and a whole host of boutique cigars, visit us at www.oaklandtobacconist.com or find us on social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok at OGT Cigars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cigars and Cinema Podcast, where we smoke cigars and unabashedly commentate and in some cases give extreme opinions on film and entertainment. I am one of your hosts. Eric Drazen, and along with me tonight, as usual, we have Curtis Bailey and a new guest, Zeke Salas, joining us today. How's it going, guys? Going well, going well. How about you, Curtis? How are you doing? I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> and so it begins. <laughs> right off the So, uh, Actually, you know what? Now, now, now that you mentioned it, it's, it's feeling a little... Still a little warm in this room. That's my dude. Yeah. That's my dude. There it is. Let's go. Brainwashed. <laughs> so uh, anyone joining us tonight, as usual, please grab a cigar, something to pair it with, as we take another journey into smoke and scream. This is, we're back finally from a three-week hiatus. So okay. you're kicking off the first episode, Sweet. 2024. Uh, and it's an episode that I feel like a lot of people here at the lounge for sure, but also on social media have talked about. Oh, yeah. This and is a hot topic for sure in the in the lounge all the time. It is. It is very very hot topic. Uh, and so it looks like we got people joining on. I will pull comments up as best as I can, but I definitely invite and encourage you. Please drop down in the comments what you're smoking, your opinions on the film we're talking about, as well as the cigar. If you're smoking the same thing, let us know what you think. Uh, we've got a few people on here. Let's go, Raider Dave. Yeah, Raider Dave. <laughs> Raider Dave saying, "Get him, Zeke." Yeah. Well, it's it's already started. Uh, we got Clan Dark Sales saying, great film choice tonight. Your friends at Smoking with Frogs. Yeah, thank Sweet. you so much for jumping on. We got Tony on. Tony, thank you for uh, jumping on. Ricky, love the film choice on the film. There we go. There Absolutely. we go. A lot of people giving love to uh, Tombstone. Uh, my brother is saying, I'm ready for this and to see Zeke admit he's wrong. Never. There we go. Never. Man. I've got one. I've got one. <laughs> you, do, you got one. <laughs> Uh, Kyle's on saying, Now I have a machine gun, greatest movie ever. Eric, there you go. Well, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. So, tonight, uh, before we jump into everything, if you guys have not seen on social media what we posted, I have a sneak preview of what is coming to the OGT Cigar Society. And Zeke, you're a member yourself. Yep, I am. I am. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, this is coming, what I should say, it's going to be shipping next week. So, everyone, really quick, if you'd uh, check out uh, what is coming for the OGT Cigar Society. Je 
And there you have it. That is coming to the OGT Cigar Society. It is a collaboration between Cigar Clowns and Shafio Cigars, both of which are like some of the, the favorite. Yes, absolutely. Favorite favorite brands. Uh, and it's Goldie coming. So everyone has a great uh, cigar coming to them. If you're not a member of the society, now is the time to jump on. There are a few spots left. This is the five pack being dropped. You'll notice it is a white label with black writing. It is a pre-release label. This cigar will be released later on. Uh, several months from now, but the clowns and Shafio both wanted to give the society the love and the first chance to try it. So awesome stuff. Um, on to what we're smoking tonight. It is in this lineup. This is the official Cigars and Cinema podcast sampler pack that is available. You know where. And uh, you can pick it up. That one with the rather uh, striking red label, HVC. This is the HVC Havana City. Uh, Zeke, Curtis, have you guys smoked this cigar before? I haven't. I haven't. This will be the first time. If I have, I don't specifically recall. Okay. Okay. So for the most part, uh, new for several people. I am a huge fan of this. We've got a lot to get to. So I say, let's go ahead and give it a cut, do a cold draw, see if there's anything that we get from it before we jump into it. I uh, see we've got a lot of comments already jumping in. There. Draws, draw is spot on. Yeah, it's wide open. Hmm. I, I've gotten this before on this cigar, and I don't know if you guys get the same, but there's like a medicinal, like almost like Almost cherry. medicine. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Curtis? I see that. Uh, I'm not really detecting anything outside of the standard, like, you know, tea, maybe slight bit of dried fruit kind of thing that you tend to get on these. Okay. How about you? I got the medicinal thing. The first draw, I felt like it was like, I mean, lack for a better thing to link it to is like nyquil you yeah get that, no, that, that 100%, taste that's yeah. why i was like oh okay i see and, that and i've even gotten it in the smoking experience sometimes so yeah i guess we'll see totally. so uh everyone if you got a cigar let's go ahead and get this lit up every cigar is smoked in thirds first third second and final just as every movie in three acts 
As you light up, take the time to toast it, smell the room note, and experience the first notes as the tobacco comes alive. In the same way, movies follow a structure, the Aristotle structure, inciting incident, attack, crisis, climax, resolution. In this order, we will break down the cigar and we will break down the movie. All right, so just finishing this up, I almost got it lit in time. Usually I'm always playing catch-up. Um, so as, as we all kind of get this lit up, uh, let me know your guys' thoughts, if any, on terms of flavor notes, like right out the gate, what hits you first, that type of thing. Good smoke production. Mm-hmm. For me, I definitely get like a, like a peppery something-something on the retro, a little bit on the roof of my mouth. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of builds. Yeah, there's a little bit of pepper to it for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not ever going to retro. Yeah, how is that retro? Not retro. Smoke that smoke wagon. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So uh, this cigar itself, this is a Nicaraguan Puro. It is rolled at Renier Lorenzo. He's the owner and blender of HVC cigars. When they started their company, a lot of it was straight out of Aganorsa. Okay. And then he built his company bigger and bigger. And so now he's got his own factory. Uh, it's rolled there. It's a 6x54 Toro, and it features a Nicaraguan Habano wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and filler. Um, this version, the Maduro version, I'm huge fans of. But a lot of flavor. Yeah, a lot of flavor. It's very good. And I noticed you V-cut yours. Do you normally go with a V-cut? I, I almost V-cut almost everything, unless it's like a Torpedo or a Figurado or something okay. like that. I'll, I'll straight cut those, but it's almost always V-cut. Mm. Yeah, as it kind of goes, that, that pepper's still there. There's a faint sweetness, but honestly, spice is mostly what I'm experiencing right now. On the retro, I get a little bit of something that might fit into a nut category, peanut okay. or similar. It's yep. it's faint, but it's in there. There's just like a little bit of extra richness that pops in for me on the retro. Yeah, it's very peppery, which is good because I like the I like when the it has that peppery flavor to it. So yeah, yeah. But, and this is just you know we just lit it up. So right, right, right. And that will definitely mellow. yeah. Okay, so tonight, as many know, uh, perhaps you don't know, to kick off 2024 for cigars and cinema first episode. Uh, this is one uh, that we've been talking about for a while, forever since. Probably since we've known each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably since we've known each other. And uh, usually, for anyone who listens to the podcast, it's myself. It's my friend Coleman. He's unfortunately under the weather, so he won't be joining us tonight. And also Curtis Bailey. But we had to get Zeke on because uh, the debate needs to not only be like secluded to Oakland tobacconist walls; it needs to be broadcast. <laughs> oh, I agree completely. I agree. I think this is such a polarizing film. Mm. I, mean, I was talking to people before we did this, and before I knew I was going to do it um about how many people like this film and yeah by no yes. means is this film an oscar worthy amazing you know piece of americana art but it's loved like it is thought of as one of the best westerns ever one of the greatest westerns made it has characters in it that are so revered and yeah. and cared for that people can quote this movie in in a heartbeat like they know quotes several quotes so mm -hmm. this movie's interesting yes yes so i'm gonna give a few facts about the movie and then we'll just each kind of give our generic opinion of Absolutely. what we think of the movie so tombstone was released in 1993 it is rated r it has a running time of too long i mean sorry two wow. hours and 10 wow. minutes <laughs> and it begins <laughs> and it begins <laughs> two hours and 10 minutes a very quick synopsis a successful lawman's plans to retire anonymously in tombstone arizona 
uh, are disrupted by the kind of outlaws he was famous for eliminating. It's a very generic way. It's got a stellar cast. It does have a great cast. Like, like you can't big name. You cast. can't. Yeah, you can't poke holes at any of these actors. And I think that's what a lot of people like. Even though the plot's not perfect and the storyline isn't perfect, the characters and the actors, the way they portrayed them, are so good and so memorable. I think that's why everyone can kind of relate to a different character in the movie. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, talent is is very high with Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, uh, Prowess Booth. That's just like to name a few, and the list goes on. So it's a studded cast. Um, uh, who would like to give their opening statement first on opinions on uh, on Tombstone? Uh, I, I'm okay with jumping in first since I might be the most neutral or middle of the ground, perhaps. Sitting on a fence. Um, so th this this is a movie that, uh, for the majority of my life, I've loved. In recent years, I've started to be a little bit more critical about some things that I don't think it does exceptionally well. I think some a, a few characters are particularly underwritten. Um, I think there's a few awkward uh, acting moments. I think the pacing in the third act uh, feels very clunky. I actually do think the movie feels perhaps a little bit too long. Um, but um, so much of the production design is great. Um, Val Kilmer, as I'm sure we'll get into, is legendary in this film. Agreed. Uh, I, I, I like the... We'll get into this too. I th think this will be particularly for Eric for you a sticking point, but uh, I think that stylistically this movie is very purposeful, kind of broad and operatic, um, which mm. has positives mm. and negatives depending on your taste. Um, for me, it, 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 it functions generally well because um, it's really telling the story of Wyatt Earth as a myth, myth not as history. True. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay. Um, to me, this is this is definitely one of my favorite westerns. Um, I don't look at it for plot holes. I don't look at it for story or the construction as much as you guys do. I um, I enjoy the movie. I think uh, for me, I'm a huge western fan, and obviously, Wyatt Earp is one of the most iconic um, myths, if you will, yeah. of the old west. And I feel that this movie kind of captures that. It 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 shows what he was and just if you think about this this is this is over an eight month period this movie is condensed and it's only over an eight month period of his life and it's pretty much what he's known for now you can talk about dodge city and all that stuff but this is his defining moment in history and so for that point i think western fans and i think fans of these type of movies are are really pleased with it we don't we don't have to be bothered with all of the the historical, is this accurate? Is everything perfect? No, we want to know the story that we all kind of know about and get to visualize it in this film. And like uh, Curtis stated, the sets, the clothing, the um, the realism that they kind of captured in this film is kind of almost next to no other movie. Like they really went in on how this is visually stunning. And I, I kind of dug that about the movie. And I think it brought that character to life where a lot of movies I'm um, we've talked about uh, Kevin Costner's wider. It's a great movie, but it, it kind of falls flat. And, and if you look at the box office that it brought compared to the box office that this brought and the budget it had compared to the budget this had, this was a huge success. And so in that sense, and then after the movie, you know, got out of the movie theaters, it's like almost a cult following. And so this no, movie, this yeah. movie definitely has, it's, it's definitely, whether you like it or not, <laughs> it's definitely a piece of Americana because 
it speaks to what we think the Old West was, whether it's true or not. This is what our vision of the Old West is for most people that are Western fans. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think that anyone who's, who's listened to the podcast before uh, or have listened to me drone on about movies before, typically... Everyone. Yeah, exactly. Everyone. Anyone here at the lounge. Everyone that knows uh, So I recently <laughs> thought of like, okay, let's attack this at like a plot level, like structure level. And then I was like, no, I can't really due to the lack thereof on a lot of problems that I found. Yeah. Um, I'm also coming at it from a side of not nostalgia. Like okay. I don't have a history growing up watching this movie. Right, right, right. And so I recently just watched it. And I know, I know I'm probably gonna make a lot of enemies by my opinion on Tombstone. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah it, totally. it's already happening in the comments. Right. Um, but I feel like this this movie suffers um, from the concept of what like it's essentially what I feel like a lot of Marvel movies suffer from. There's a big budget. There's a big crew behind it. They get mass produced. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this movie before or the plot is lacking. So let's let's cover it up with some really like e exceptional gunfights or yeah, yeah, such sure. like that. So. The scene with Curly Bill, which when, scene? when when he uh, when he's taking opium, then he like comes out and he's like, "I feel capital." Oh yeah, capital. Like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I honestly feel like that is a good representation of this movie. It doesn't really know where it's going. It suddenly wakes up at some point, being like, "You know what? We've missed our boat. It's been thirty minutes without a gunfight. Let's just start shooting the place up." And I feel like most of it was created just to show the scenes and montages that are somewhat outdated of riding the horse and hearing the music and shooting the guns. When it's like, if I have no investment in the journey of this character, why is this going to matter beyond the the Western like mythical genre. side? Yeah, so the it genre. loses a lot for me, and because nostalgia is not a factor. Yeah, that makes it tough. That's void. Yeah, I see that. So uh, I, that's kind of like where I think where I would stand on that. There, um, but let's maybe talk about the movie a little bit, like okay. um, from its opening and kind of into its action point and such like that. Um, Curtis, do you mind giving like kind of like a broad stroke, like meeting the characters and kind of where it's headed? Yeah, well, we have this uh, interesting narrated opening, which is something that I actually want to ask you guys about after, after the fact. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know the. The, the Earp brothers, as it were, and our other principal players like uh, Doc Holliday kind of converge on Tombstone after uh, the Earps are more or less done with their law enforcement careers. Uh, they've dragged along their wives and they hope to set up shop in this little boom town and make a fortune so they can retire. And fate had other plans for them. <laughs> the Cowboys. Okay. And that's actually a good point. Like this, it's it's depicted in this historical silent film. Looked very, and it's like, so we're going to give you that much, and then everything else historical. Let's just kind of like it's there, but yeah. we need to make the movie version of this. And yeah. so I feel like it kind of is at war with itself in the way it opens. I kind of feel like the opening isn't so much that it's at war. It's trying to give you for the people that aren't historically invested in this or into the genre. It kind of gives you just a little anecdote about the brothers and what they are in one scene where you see the four the three brothers together and their wives and the brothers are talking about hey you know that's him if i if i if i know i'd, I'd recognize that frown well and then it talks about and that kind of speaks to like why it says you know mom always said you were the prettiest and sam elliott's character says yeah but mom always doted on the frowner 
So it kind of gives you a little insight to what the hierarchy was in that family and that the brothers were willing to follow Wyatt anywhere. Like Wyatt said, hey, let's leave Dodge City. They're originally from Missouri. So they've traveled west and kept going west. And he says, hey, let's go start our fortune. And these two men who in their own rights were lawmen, were alpha types that were you know doing their own thing, they picked up their families and left. And they followed Wyatt to this town and had no idea. They weren't miners. They weren't bartenders. They weren't, all they had ever been was law enforcement. And they went out there to start a whole new career, a whole new life with their families with really no direct plan. So it kind of speaks to the whole, the pioneering ways of the old West. I mean, these people really would give up everything they had to start a whole new life and really have no plan, but like, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to make this happen. And I think, to me, once again, from the nostalgic point and thinking about Old West, this is this is the the quintessential idea of the Old West. These were people that were packing everything up into a wagon, taking their families, having whatever money they had in their in, in their, on their person, and they were going to make it work. And there was no choice. There was no ability right. for them to fail. Right. And I think that that scene. It's kind of poignant. It, it's it's a good scene. You see him stand in front of the mirror and they go, hey, let's look at this for a minute. And Wyatt says, don't talk. Just take it in. Because he wants his brothers to see, hey, man, we're, we're a family. We haven't been for years. We've got our wives here. We're going to start over. And we're going to do something completely different. And in the scene just before that, he gets approached by two marshals. And the two marshals are like, hey, man, you know, you're, you're Wyatt Earp. You know, you, do you really want to do this? And he's like, well, you know, I'm done. I don't ever want to do this. And the guy says, you know, I've never known a man, a rich man that didn't have guilt. And Wyatt Earp says a very poignant statement in there, which I thought was good, was he says, I already have the guilt. I might as well have the fortune. Yeah. <laughs> That's a huge statement on where Wyatt Earp's mind at the beginning of this movie is. Well, and really quick, I want to, we've got a lot of comments here. And so, um, Let's hear from the people. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so, hear from the people. Uh, Gizmo is saying, yeah, being 41, I do sometimes wonder how much of my love of this movie is nostalgia versus not. I I would argue it seems like, for the most part, Tombstone, it skates by on a sea of nostalgia. But again, I cannot speak from that from a nostalgia side because I'm coming from the other side. Uh, Nick is saying, Tombstone beats Kevin Costner's wider pans down, in my opinion. Uh, and I've heard that a lot. I mean, I think we've all heard that a lot. And, you know, and, and it, they're different movies. Um, yeah. the, what, Kevin Costner's Wyatt Earp is a historical recounting or retelling of his life. He hits on so many more things. It's it's almost an hour longer than than this movie because he goes into so many things. And there's a point. I like the Kevin Costner movie, once again, because I like the genre. Yeah. But it kind of loses some of the power. Even the, the OK Corral scene, which is the top of it, it loses its power because it's so long-winded. And you're like, just get to the point. We yeah. know we know yeah. what's going on. We want to see it. Okay. Okay. And I, I was uh I, I laughed a little bit. Mike was uh dropping a comment saying historical facts do not make it a good film. Val Kilmer does. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's <laughs> and, not wrong. <laughs> and honestly, I feel like in percentage of liking this movie, you got nostalgia, which is a hefty amount, and then Val Kilmer, which takes the rest. Oh, hundred percent. Because I won't I argue totally about his performance. No, how because, can you? Yeah, he does a great job. Um, but honestly, the scenes you're talking about with the brothers and such, mm-hmm. like I cannot help but think as we follow them from like the train station to mm-hmm. tombstone, I'm like, this seems like it was written by a guy who's like, yeah, brothers do this, right? Like I don't have any brothers, but they, they act this way. Right. And it was like, I, you watch movies like lawless, 
You watch okay. movies where, the, or even like Band of Brothers or yeah. stuff like that, when you have this brother syndicate where you feel it, you believe it. Tombstone yeah. is kind of like, well, pose this way, pose that way. You're the other guy with the mustache, pose this way because brothers are cool. And it's just like, I, this just doesn't do it for me. You know, and I think a lot of people like yourself who's more into the director, the screenplay and that kind of stuff, I think people don't know. This movie was written by the same man that wrote Glory, which is considered one of the most classic movies of all time historically. Mm -hmm. right. He wrote this screenplay, and it was his first attempt at directing. He only stayed on the set of this film with his true screenplay and script four weeks. After four weeks, he was fired. Then the guy that directed Rambo First Blood. Cobra. Cobra. Yeah. We're talking about this is the same genre of movie. We kind of see where Hollywood wants right, to take this right, movie. Exactly. <laughs> they hire this guy and right away, droves of crew and cast members quit. They just walk off. His director of photography quit the film three times. Three well, times. And as far as I understand, Kurt Russell took over a lot of it. So the reason that Kurt Russell hired or had that guy hired was because his buddy, Sylvester Stallone, told him, hey, man, I hired this guy for Rambo 2. He did what I told him. So we kind of just had an unspoken word. I would make a hand gesture. He would know what I want. And that's how it was filmed. Kurt Russell directed this movie. There's actually a point in this movie where you'll notice that Val Kilmer, the brothers, the Cowboys, <coughs> they have so much more screen time than Wyatt. And the reason why was because Kurt Russell was rewriting stuff. They ripped out over half the script. Sam Elliott said if he had been given this script that was the finalized script, he would have passed on the movie. And I, I feel like that translates through the story. Oh, it does. You can you can see the plot holes. You can see the, the missing gaps. Like, how did this happen and we didn't see it? Why yeah. is this this way? So you could see that. But I think that speaks to how good this movie actually is. And the mm. reason why is because you lose a director – you have utter chaos on the set. Michael Bean, who played um, Johnny Ringo, said he spoke to the director two times. The first day, hello, and the last day, and he said, F off. And walked away <laughs> and never talked to the guy again. So just to think of the chaos and making a film that had a deadline, it was put out by Buena Vista, and which is Disney. Disney said, you have a deadline. It has to be out by Christmas. It has to be out Christmas. Here's a crazy fact. The director they wanted to finish it, the director of Die Hard. But he said he wanted to shut down production and rewrite for two weeks, and Disney said no. Yeah. Can you imagine what Disney. we'd have got? So it's Disney. <laughs> it's always Disney. It's always Disney. Um, no, but I think that it you translate that through the movie. I feel like this, in, in essence, the movie is nothing but boring transitions between gunfights because the film was made to posterize these immortal figures, and it's like, well, we, we're here to watch them ride and shoot guns. And we don't really care about a lot no, of no, the no, no. character development. This movie isn't, I don't think this movie, speaking for myself and people that are fans of the genre, I didn't go into this movie to get this incredible story that was going to change my life. And it would be, you know, something like Shawshank Redemption or Schindler's List or, you know, something that was, that's considered iconic. Mm -hmm. I think they went to see this movie for the action. Yeah. They oh, yeah. wanted to see the gunfights. They wanted to see characters that they could dig or or root for or relate to and even though it's cut up and it is jumbled and it's kind of all over the place you still get that you still link to all the brothers i mean you, you made a really good point about oh you know the brothers are kind of ha, ha, here i am but then later in the movie the brothers go against each other like brothers do and then when yeah. the brothers go against each other wyatt has to back his brother's play 
So it does speak to how brothers react because you have a brother. I have a brother. There's times we can't stand each other, but if he needs me, I'm there. And I think yes. that kind of shows that in this movie. Well, and I, I think that I'd push back a little tiny bit, Eric, on the, the, the notion that this film exists just to show like gunfights and stuff, because um, there's a, a not insignificant chunk of time is particularly in the first two acts devoted to Wyatt and his happiness uh, yeah. particularly as it relates to his relationships with women. Yeah. Now, I don't know that I think it's the best written plot line. I mean, the, the way that his wife kind of gets sidelined, it's like, you know, oh, dude, you, like, you, you, movie. You, you said vows to that woman and you're just kind of. Uh, actually, thought, actually, they weren't married. Is that they right? Were never, okay. Yeah, they well, were never I take married. it back then. So lesson yeah. be learned. You got, you can sleep around. Just don't say your vow. Yeah. As long you as you're that, you're good. <laughs> Um, but I, I mean, I, girlfriend doesn't matter. This is, but I, I, I do. Whether or not it does it effectively is another question. But I do think that the the movie does have a, an obvious intentional focus on Wyatt as it relates to, you know, that kind of arc of you know when can he sort of find uh, peace or harmony with his life, the things that he's done, these relationships that he has with women. The movie is definitely tackling that. And summary answer, room service. Yes. <laughs> room service will solve your problems. Because when you want, when you're tired of a depressed uh, girlfriend, the best thing to do is find a girl that just wants to have fun. She's not Ooh. depressed. Room She's service. not depressed. She's a heroin addict. It's totally different. Well, <laughs> but I think it plays into the the, the factor. Like, okay, that scene when uh, Josephine first shows up. Like, okay. Off, the, off of the stagecoach? Yeah, or? the stagecoach. Okay, okay. That scene has countless issues with for me okay because of like the first like literal shot we see of her is this like melodramatic staged backlit umbrella being lit mm -hmm. and she's like who's that tall drink of water and i was like who who wrote this like who wrote it and how is she giving it with a straight face and then well, the, the shakespearean friend is like he's predator and prey look at note the classic lean figure and you're like Cut it out. What is going on? <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll agree that you know some of the writing in it isn't the best, but according to everything that we've read that I've read and looked into, it was written by Kurt Russell. Like Kurt Russell isn't known for his screenplays. Correct. He he fixed things to try to make it have a flow to it and to make sure I read something that was really interesting that everyone on set, the the main uh actors that you named, they were significant actors, they wanted they were fully committed to this. And even though the director was a pain in the ass. They were like, we're going to make this work. We love this story. We loved the original script. So we're going to try to stay, stay true to it, but we've got to condense it down and fit it all in. And I think there was so much lost. And unfortunately, yeah. we'll never know. And sure. so that writing you speak of, yeah, it's corny and it's hokey, but let's talk about it. Well, we're talking I, about a cowboy movie. What cowboy movie can you name mm, that has mm. the most dominant lines that are like oh my god that was that was that was mind-blowing how how did he come up with that we're talking about a different time period so her saying something like that or the the, the thespian guy saying that kind of stuff it might have been said at that time period so so i i have a thought on that but okay. curtis also yeah. I, I can tell well you. yeah i mean this goes back to what i was gonna what i was saying at the start and i think that this factors into a lot of uh, eric your distaste with the movie's uh dialogue and things of that nature is um, that this movie is very purposefully playing in a kind of broad operatic, like actors on a proscenium style. Every scene seems that way. It's not meant to feel naturalistic. No. Um, 
So, and a big part of me when it comes to artistic analysis, art criticism, and that kind of thing is you have to be prepared to meet a piece of art on its own terms. Okay. And, uh, you know, if this movie is broadcasting, this is the type of style that I am, mm-hmm. then that requires adjusting your perception of it to match that. Now, that doesn't mean that you suddenly make it to your taste or that uh, you have to like the fact that they chose this particular style. But I think that you you do need to understand that uh, a lot of those artistic choices, the sort of mannered style of this movie is a direct result of this is the way it was written. It was intentional. It's not, um, not necessarily the product of, you know, people who didn't know what they were doing, right? Yeah. Um, yes. Now, 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 personally, I think that there are aspects of that sort of theatrical style that work for this movie and mm-hmm. components of it that work against the movie. But, yeah. yeah. Well, and okay, so here's where the disconnect happens for me is, again, we, we kind of talk about the historical significance and seeing it on screen in 1993 with these iconic characters and the power behind it. If you fast forward and look at like the Coen brothers, True Grit, and this is a point yeah. my wife made, and I was like, actually, that makes more sense. It, it, there, because there's a disconnect here. You're using historical relevance, but it's not historical. True. And you're using a, a period piece, but it's not necessarily period because it's very much a 90s movie. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I think that's the whole genre of this movie is this is a 90s movie. If, let's talk about 90s movies. We're talking right. about, we're talking about freaking Predator. We're talking about Aliens. We're right. talking about, um, I think at the same time when this came out, Cliffhanger, Demolition Man, we didn't go to see those movies for, you know, amazing dialogue like a Tarantino movie or like you said, the, the, the Coen brothers, that's not what this genre was. So, right. And so, but when you, when you, Choose this as a project because all I think of is then why not just slap this cast against a different backdrop, a different Western, make it as hokey, as melodramatic as you want. If you take True Grit, they use correct language, no contractions. They speak in like very period uh, moments and dialogue. That is a good representation. Tombstone is a bad representation of that. And that's where I find like, don't make it about White Earp because this is not what this movie's about. But see, that's the thing is the fact that it's about Wyatt Earp is the only reason this movie was made. This movie Correct. wasn't this movie wasn't made to be just a western. This movie was to take a, a historical character and give him life and put him on a screen so people could see someone who they looked up to. Most people that went and saw this movie, Tombstone, they saw this movie because oh I know Tombstone. That was the battle that was the OK Corral. That's the reason they went and saw it. They want to see the OK Corral fight. They want to see the the Earp brothers. They want to see the cowboys. They want to see that stuff. They don't care about if the dialogue is perfectly correct. They don't care if if the scene is naturalistic or if it's staged. They don't care. Like that's not a consideration at all in this type of movie, right? Because this movie is set for a specific type of people. It's a western, but it's an action drama. It's not. Well, it's not even a western in, in in total truth. It's set in the western times, okay. but the original the original script. Once again, I go back to this because we won't know. The guy that wrote it, his whole idea of what he wanted to make was he wanted to make a Ford movie. He yeah. wanted to make one of those classic right. one of those classic right. movies. And I think some of that dialogue and some of that, like you said, this Curtis, the staged part of it, where it's not naturalistic, 
if you look at the old John Wayne movies where Ford directed, so that's how they were. So no, no exactly. Yeah. Mallory is saying my point was adopting John Wayne linguistics to a melodramatic plot. Absolutely, it, it doesn't and that's work. What, no, and and that makes sense because he did. I mean, if you look at this, this is written like Elder El, 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 El Dorado. This right, is right. written like you know War Wagon, War Wagon. I mean, Searchers, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, Robert Mitchum narrates the beginning of the movie, so yeah. it was a nod back to all that. Right. Um, I, I, I will argue just as a, a small point of order that this is nowhere near as 90s a Western as Young Guns is. Oh, God. No. <laughs> Come on, dude. It totally would have like. been better with Bon Jovi in the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you kind of see the, the formula at play because if you look at it in retrospect, Untouchables is Tombstone in the 1930s. 100%. Like, they, they almost, it's, almost, it's almost a carbon copy. It is. Yeah. It's it is. a carbon and, copy. Well, except that Brian, Brian De Palma is a way more stylish filmmaker than yeah, I think I yes. think I think that movie is very stunning visually, yeah. and it's got Sean Connery in it, so I'm going to watch it. Right. So okay, we got two uh, comments here. I'm going to pull up real quick. Daniel is saying, "I agree. They didn't care, and part of why this movie has even more liked is they went to see that, but then got to see Val Kilmer's version of Doc Holliday, and some of the other characters were so good. And that's true. I that's mean, agreed. And we should talk. We should talk." We lost audio there for a second. Sorry about that. Uh, Mallory's also saying not so much the melodramatic dialogue is wrong, but that the delivery should have leaned into the uh, panache instead of the more emotionally stilted cowboy uh, voice, which is is true. I mean, I some, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. The lines that are delivered, not only like are they actual lines on paper, but the way they're delivered, it's just incredibly clunky where it loses investment in the character for me. And, and I get that because I, I do see that some of the lines are hokey. Some of the things, I mean, some of the stuff that comes out of Wyatt Earp's mouth is hilarious. Like it's, it's hokey and it's, but in that same sense of being hokey, it's endearing. And the reason why it's endearing, it's endearing to fans of the time, of the time period, of the style of movie. It's stylistic that fits that movie. Because if you think about it in the nineties, what was the biggest thing of the nineties? Catchphrases. Arnold Schwarzenegger made a career out of catchphrases. He didn't yeah. say great lines. He didn't. Do, dude, he's one of the top action heroes of all time. He didn't have poignant statements in any of his movies. But everybody knows all his catchphrases. And that's a point of, like, you, you were leaning into Val Kilmer. I would say that Val Kilmer's character in this is probably the most iconic Western character ever on mm. screen. Ever and I'm a huge John Wayne fan. I love Robert Duvall. I love um, Tommy Lee Jones in westerns. I love uh, uh, Kevin Costner in westerns. I like all that stuff. There's a western with Christian Bale, your favorite. He is awesome in that. But the fact that I can't think of a character, and I, I would love if you guys could bring one up that was better than Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday. Even when Dennis Quaid played Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp. He was good. He looked more like Doc Holliday in stature, in dress, in the way he spoke. But it wasn't as good as Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, that is probably one of his most iconic roles ever. People are going to remember Val Kilmer for two movies. Iceman <laughs> and Top Gun and a Doc Holliday. That's it. The Saint. The Saint is good, <laughs> but it's not as good as Doc Holliday. I mean, I love The Saint. I love Val oh, Kilmer. Yeah. Real genius. Come on, let's go. I'm a Val Kilmer fan. But this is probably his defining role. 
No, no, true. I mean, and but very quickly as we kind of delve into that, uh, we are kind of at the halfway mark with our cigar. Uh, yes, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to pull some of these comments as well. But uh, kind of real quick, I want to get your guys' opinion on the Havana City by HVC. I've smoked this number of times. Uh, what are your thoughts so far? It's mellowed out, yeah, tremendously. Like uh, the pepper aspect is gone. Um, it's it's very smooth. Um, I'm not a huge HVC fan, but this is a really good one. I know you're a big HVC. I know Chip is a huge HVC fan. So this is good. I like this one. Nice, nice. Curtis, what are you what are you thinking? Yeah, um, the the pepperiness has definitely died down, uh, but I'm still getting some uh, earthy, nutty, maybe even a little bit of leather character going on. Uh, I'm not really detecting a lot in the way of sweetness, but like we've said, I don't detect sweetness right. very well right. anyway. Um, uh, I think the flavor profile of this is something that would um, play nicely with uh, stuff like if you wanted to have a margarita with a cigar, mm. this would be kind of the direction to go. Uh, because of the fact that there's not a lot of like cocoa or sweet stuff, I think that is sort of, you know, woody, earthy flares against citrus would probably yes. be really nice. Nice. Yeah. And I, I kind of get almost like a cashewy, like toasted cashews. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. going on with it. And and this is a cigar that I really appreciate because you can notice those transitions. It's bold, it's power. Oh, yeah, it, at it, front, and then it slows. Yeah, yeah, mellows. It's nice. But yeah, flavor is like full throttle. For me, like I'm getting a lot of different notes and it's on the palate. It's not like, eh, that's a little wispy. Right. So yeah, it gets high marks for me on that. Um, we got a few comments here. Uh uh, Mike is saying, tell him I'm coming and hell's coming with me. That's right. Let's go. So yeah, that is, that is a line. <laughs> that is one of that is a line. line. And it's definitely a quotable line for it's the good reasons. Quotable. I don't know. Yeah. But... <laughs> it's super quotable. It's super quotable. And that's the thing is like, it was a Rolodex of lines. Which right. one do we use next? Which and one do we use next? That's <laughs> what I think kind of makes this movie iconic and it makes it so that it, it is one of the best Westerns. I'm not going to say it's the best Western because I'm a huge, uh, Open Range has got a special part place in my heart. Okay, okay. But this is an iconic Western. Even with all of the bad parts of this movie, everyone, men, women, my kids, they can quote this movie. They can quote scenes. They can reenact the scene. I mean, we've all done it. We've sat here and said it, just like Curtis. I'll be your Huckleberry. Of course. Come on. We all know that. And that's why this – I think that, to me, speaks to iconic films. And the reason why it's well, iconic is because of that. The only thing I'll, I mean, a lot of people quote, oh, hi, Mark. Is that a good movie? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> but that's not an iconic line. Now, you can say like any a, line. I'm talking iconic, line. iconic <laughs> lines. I mean, there's iconic lines in every movie that's ever made that's that's been a good movie or been a movie that has a, a, a strong fan base or a strong following. There's something in there that just sticks in your mind. Like, oh, my God, that was so awesome at the moment when he said that. That that's why it sticks in our head. So so this is where I feel like the the star studded cast comes into play. Absolutely, the cast carries the film. I agree. You have that. You have Val Kilmer, and like anyone could have probably twill, twilled the uh, the tin cup and yeah. such. But his execution is where it's like, oh, I, I like that. That's cool. Have I, you ever seen someone that. play a drunk person better than Val Kilmer? Like he looks smashed through most of the scenes in this movie. Actually, actually, William Powell from The Thin Man does an excellent drunk character. He's <laughs> you wanna, amazing. You want to know who they wanted to play Doc Holliday that they couldn't get? And in Dis Disney, your people, they vetoed it. William Defoe. Oh, wow. 
Interesting. William Defoe was their first choice. What if we switched Willem Defoe there and Val Kilmer was the Green Goblin? I mean, they're that might work. That <laughs> might work. That might not be bad. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, since uh, we're, we're kind of like you know talking you know around the edges of the middle act of this movie, I did want to ask you guys what you do actually think about the relationship between Wyatt and Josephine. There's not a ton of scenes devoted to it, but it's, you know, a clear sort of thematic thing in the movie. And, you know, I used to kind of think almost nothing about it. You know, when I was younger, I was just like, Oh, it's, it's the, it's the relationship story in the movie and it's fine. Uh, now it's one of the parts where, that I feel like I'm a little bit more critical of. I feel like Josephine is, a little bit underwritten. I mean, everybody is, you know, sort of, you know, avatars of real human beings in this movie, but I think Josephine in particular just feels uh, uh, like almost like a, you know, a character, late 19th century version of a manic pixie dream girl. Kind of. Yeah. She's a character. <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think Josephine's so important to the film. And I, I agree with you. She's not written really well, but you have to think about this. Wyatt Earp had spent his whole life. He he had a wife before and a kid. They died of typhus. He then got with the character Maddie, spent quite a large portion of his life with that. But when he met Josephine and Tombstone, they got married and stayed together forever mm. until his death. Oh, I know. So Josephine is a pivotal character in his life that brought him what, in essence, is why he went to Tombstone. He wanted to set down roots. He wanted to have a family. Now, they never had kids, but he still had that person. He had finally found his one person and he stayed with her for the rest of his life. So I, I, my opinion on that would be the reason we don't see her very prominent and she's more of a side plot um, because face it, 1993, this is an action dudes film. Mm -hmm. That's sure. not who's going to see this yeah. movie. She didn't and have exactly. a gun. She's not important. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that translates within the plot of the story. And when you, when you sacrifice what's supposed to be so instrumental to Wyatt Earp. Yes. When you sacrifice, well, Bill Paxton is there. He's got like four lines and right. he has no, a random, true. like yeah, very random. You see it. You see a white light when you die. And then it's like, we're supposed to feel this. All these people are more or less plot points for Wyatt Earp. So if you are not heavily invested in Wyatt Earp's character, these people mean nothing. And I, I and think so, that's a problem with the film. And I agree with you completely, but it's also a problem because of the production of the film. From what I've researched, there were the four weeks that the original director did. He he had all these things. He had more interactions with the Earp brothers. He had more interactions with the Earps and the Cowboys. He had more interactions with Maddie. But that was all left on the cutting room floor. Yeah, all of that was left on the cutting room floor. So we didn't get to see that. And you're right. It it left kind of a void that that once again I, I I'm not one to say that this is a perfect film or you know it's got a great story any of that stuff. This is just a good film. It's it's enjoyable. It's it's like we've talked. We all have guilty pleasure films. I want to say this kind of falls into that realm because it is just a gunslinging movie. It is just a, a Western at the heart, you know, horses, guns, shootout. That's the formula for a Western. It really is. Those are the three things you have to have to qualify as a Western and a big hat. But that's pretty <laughs> much it. So I think this movie, it checks those boxes, even if the story is 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 flawed. Well, and it's I'm gonna pull this comment on it. <laughs> Coleman is saying why its relationship had to run its course with a drug addict, so we need to do a Beyonce and upgrade. Absolutely. <laughs> and he, he put a ring on it. Well played, Mike. <laughs> and and that is 
like like the picnic scene or when they're like well we're gonna run in, the horse you know, race <laughs> yeah, like so yeah. much of that is like okay so if you want to talk about evolution of film this really is just we're gonna stick in what we know of the john wayne women yeah. aren't really characters of the movie they don't give them the time of day they're kind of just they're just kind of a second afterthought yeah yeah they're not key yeah. to the plot and once again we're talking about the 90s all the women in the 90s and and this isn't a knock on women actors that women actresses there's great ones but in the 90s they were there for a couple of reasons they were there for the hero to have a love interest they were there to be pretty and they were there to be the goal win of the protagonist so and, and here that's comes, what he was here comes the conundrum though so you have that if this that's i feel like josephine kind of fits in that slot yeah. for the, the execution of this movie yeah and when you have someone like Wyatt is, you know, he's he's uh, really strong, like morally and such like that. And it's like, OK, your 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 common law wife mm -hmm. is an addict and very sad, very depressed and hopped up on laudanum the whole time. So I might as well play around and go riding with other chicks until right. I'm done with her. It's kind of just like this kind of doesn't really follow that law, like mm -hmm. strict law, moralistic wire oh, no, no. of and, the movie. And, you know, you. You can speak to this in the time period. You can speak to this in the film that the time period the film was made in. It wasn't. It wasn't about that. Those guys. I mean, you think about the cowboys. They went from cowboys went from town to town. They they worked where they could. They cattle drove. They did all that kind of stuff. Unless they started a farm and lived on land where they set up roots, if you will, they weren't with their wives all the time. I mean, it, and, and and I'm not saying that it's right. I'm talking about a time period. It was a different time. So I agree with that. I just feel like that shouldn't be your lazy fallback in your storytelling, being like, well, it's a different time, and then we're going to try to progress in other ways. Yeah, and, and it's and like, I, no, that's just lazy. And I get that. And you know what? That could have been one of the 37 rewrites. Right. So we don't know. We, we don't know what the, the true script was. We don't know where he wanted this to go or how he wanted that relationship to evolve. We got what we got in the movie. And like I said, this movie is one of those movies that if it's on TV – I'm going to watch it. I don't, if I see it, I'm like, eh, I'm going to watch it. Well, actually, on that, Daniel's also saying the same thing. He's saying, oh. I generally rate movies on how much I'm willing to rewatch it. And this Absolutely. movie, I have and will rewatch a lot. And I think rewatching something, I think that speaks to the enjoyment you get value, from the movie. Yeah. Rewatch value is huge because there's a yeah. lot of movies I've seen that are considered iconic, they're considered Oscar worthy, they're considered classics that I saw once and I was like, okay. I saw that. It was yeah. good. Yeah. I'm good. I don't need to see that again. Because right. whether it was too rough, it was too painful, it brought up emotions that I was like, oh, I don't want to revisit that. This movie is enjoyable at, mm -hmm. at, at every aspect of it. Even though it's clunky. Even though it's messy. Yeah. Even though the characters aren't super well developed. It's still enjoyable. It's and good. I think that's what people speak to about the like of this movie. Is It's a good movie. It's fun to watch. For me, it's a good comedy. <laughs> I laugh a lot. <laughs> I, uh, I I have a question for you guys. Okay. Because um, we haven't really touched on the villains of this story yet, and you could kind of argue that there's sort of three characters who fit into that role. You've got Johnny Ringo, uh, you've got Curly Bill, and then you've got Ike Clanton, who uh, is played by Stephen Lang, who I think he's a little bit easy to forget about sometimes, but... Uh, you know, you could argue one way or the other about how well his character written, but I think Stephen Lang makes Ike Clinton extremely hateable. Oh, he's, 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 he's excellent. And yeah. he has more screen time than Ringo and Powers Booth. I believe he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he has totally more screen time. And if you if you watch the movie 
and you watch his interactions with the Earps from the minute he sees them where they're di- Dylan Farrell, and he's all, law don't go around here, law dog. He's setting the tone for the ultimate conflict, and he drives the ultimate conflict okay. because all those interactions that cause the, the OK Corral scene, they kind of end this movie, whether it's right or not, we don't know. He drives that conflict. So without his character... You know, we, we missed the reason for the conflict. Okay, but that that, that brings me also, I, I'm glad you brought it up, Curtis. So definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting a different outcome. Right. <laughs> that is the interactions of Ike and every one of the Earp brothers. Absolutely. We're pissed yeah. at them. Let's hold them at gunpoint. Let's let them go. It even happens at the end. And so the ultimate conflict conflict is let me derobe my red sash and let's get a really good cinematic handshake while we're riding horses. Cause we're that skilled. We can shoot and handshake. I can't ride a and horse and just, shake hands. But, it, but it, again, it's like, well, what happened to him? Like, no, it's, and I think we see it four times in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's at gunpoint. All right, let him go. Gunpoint. Let him go. It's like, but you that, guys are, but that yeah. speaks to the herbs trying to not get involved. Like there was a, a significant part of that movie where they conveyed the message. The Earps didn't want to. And when the two brothers finally did get involved because of what was going on, yeah. Wyatt was pissed. He's yeah. like, what are you guys doing? But like, two, we're trying not to do this. But two of the interactions with him leaving happen after they kill his brother. Yes, at yes, the yes, train yes, station. Yes. I'm like, what are you doing? This yeah. dude murdered your brother. Right, right. Go. Yeah, and why did he down I, the I, Right, and why, I, I, why wasn't he killed? I think that what really happened there is that, you know, if you take things at face value, the mode that Wyatt was in the third act where he's like, if I see a man wearing a red sash, I kill him, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, Why didn't they do that to Ike? Well, because Ike has character value in the story and keeping him around, he gets to continually be a recognizable foil. I think that's probably the only reason that, Sure, Ike was sure, not sure. off earlier. Well, like we spoke, he, he drives the he drives the plot line. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. We love Val Kilmer. Uh, Wyatt Earp is cool. The brothers are, you know, their little bits yeah. are cool and everything like that. The Cowboys are cool. Johnny Ringo's an awesome bad guy. But without Wyatt, yeah. the story doesn't evolve. And Wyatt mm-hmm. and and or Ike, it doesn't evolve. And at the end of the movie, like you said, it evolves. They catch him. They're about to get him, and he rips his sash off. And says I'm done. So it, it brings the closure to what Wyatt said, the threat he made. But yeah. if 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 people want to argue this on the like righteous justice standpoint, mm-hmm. how is that righteous justice? Well, and here's the thing: you're talking about a time period where righteous justice was a gun, right? And the right. other righteous justice was, hey, you're going to court and you're going to get hung. That was pretty much it. Those were your two choices. You weren't going to jail for a long time. There weren't prisons. You were going to get hung or you get shot. Those were your two choices. So I think this was a nod to giving Wyatt, even though he went out there and he murdered all those guys, and the 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 Earth brothers all stood trial for this. They don't talk about that. They all stood trial for that. Yeah, they stood trial for it. This was a nod to hey, Wyatt's still a just character. Now whether he was or wasn't, we don't know historically. Sure, There's sure. argument that he wasn't, but in the movie, it's giving you a reason to go back to okay, I just saw Wyatt kill all the cowboys in horrible ways and go crazy but he's still a human inside he still knows okay you took it off you understand what i'm saying i'm gonna let you live and i think that's what it was speaking to it was trying to convey that wyatt even though he had murdered all these people he was still a good guy and he was doing what he was supposed to do because like you said you had just killed his brother you had shot his other brother you attempted his life he was bringing the reckoning yeah, that was good, right? Like that. <laughs> well, that was good, right? So, okay, a scene, a scene I want to know your guys' opinion on because uh, I've the first time I ever watched this movie, like it, it was it, 
to me, it was kind of just a train wreck. Mm -hmm. And then it reached one of its most rock bottom points <laughs> when Bill Paxton passed away and, and he walks out into the street. That scene like completely pulled out any possible emotion that I could potentially have for Wyatt Earp and be like, this is as flat as it can get. Like I, and I, I talk about I, the, the scene in the rain when he's yeah, in the street. The rain. It's yeah. probably one of the most awkward scenes in the. Yeah, I, I believe I agree. It was awkward. It was shot weird. It's just there's, it, there's it, that it really scene. almost like comedically goofy bit where yes, Josephine yes. enters frame from one side. Uh, it's like get away from me. Get away from me. And she kind yeah. of. Uh, and then just exits frame again. I was like, right. So, 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 and especially like it's it's almost like kids playing at storytelling because it's like he backs away. Mm -hmm. He's got the literal blood on his hands, yeah. and he stares at him. What? And then yeah, Josephine's on one side, and then Maddie's on the other side. So he's caught in the literal crossroads <laughs> of his decision. Yeah, 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 and yeah. I was watching this, and Mallory and I are watching it together. I'm like, you know what we really need right now? We really need a long like pan out shot to explain how bad he is. And sure enough, it happens. And I'm like. Well, you, and I, who and is doing this? Who's making this movie? Yeah, and once again, I think to that that speaks to the fact that it was rewritten so many times, yeah. and it was probably written or rewritten by Kurt Russell or you know the director or whoever was there by an actor by an actor. So <laughs> of course, it's not going to have the same cinematic value that you would want to see in that situation. But it's probably the only scene in the movie, good or bad, that shows Wyatt Earp have emotions he doesn't have emotions anywhere else he's squinty eyed he's, well, he's uh, mad, he's mad. yeah but even <laughs> even up to that point he's not even mad he's kind of like eh, brushing off the cowboys brushing off ike clanton brushing off all the bullshit that's going on in the city but you killed my brother so, so now it, it 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 laser focuses him to like okay i can't avoid this anymore i can't back away from being a law a lawman and the next scene is he goes in and he's like deputize me like it's going down you know and he says what he says and i think even though it's flawed and it's not it's very awkward and it's not it's not the dramatic thing that we would all want there that's what it is it's showing his vulnerability and it's the only time in the movie that you see vulnerability after that you see Wyatt herb go on a tear where he can't be hurt he almost looks like they said it uh, the last ride of Wyatt herb and his immortals he does no. He does have the moment of feeling vulnerable and like he can't win the gunfight against Ringo. Right, so right, right. And that and comes back. That's a great that, part. I forgot about that. that. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I, I um, think that if if you hit a such a crucial plot point in your movie, you can't afford to fumble that badly because it will lose its gravity. And it did. I I, I one hundred percent agree with you. But I understand why it was there. I understand what they were attempting to come to. Because it was it was the turning point where Wyatt was like, okay, now I'm I, now I'm really in, like I'm I'm pissed. I mean, we, we first get the sad boy funeral march, and then him right. saying it's over, and then it happens, and then we're just gonna let I go again. So yeah, it's, it, I know. It just, but once again, the... I think it's like what Curtis said. Curtis made the great point: is his character is so pivotal to the movie and forgotten about because of Val Kilmer and all the other characters that if you don't let I go, even in that scene where it was one of the great lines too. Well, bringing it, no, down the no, he's all. Well, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a line. great line. But if you don't let Ike do what Ike's going to do and let him live, then he doesn't go and try to get Virgil. He doesn't go and try to get the herbs at the train. It yeah. doesn't drive the story. So it ha he is he is the antagonist. Whether he's he's not Johnny Ringo and he's not 
uh, so Brocious Bill, but he is the antagonist. He he is driving the story for the for the herbs but i think the issue is that like i mean i would say the protagonist um of this film is wider even though it's got the brothers and such like that he's the one that's going through the evolution of the story yeah yeah, yeah. and so with that you want the justice for him supposedly yeah uh and so the justice they 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 like skirt the side of well instead of getting ike the person who's responsible for all this let's just show him shoot up a bunch of other bad guys that we have no investment in so to me it's like it's it's a convoluted like journey and wyatt earp's journey at most is i want to retire and have fun and make money to well now i've got to do this work so i can retire and have fun and make money well for sure like Where's the evolution of his story? And this is the main like driving force. I mean, we always talk about your stories are only as good as your villain. Yeah. And the villain is yeah. what compels the long journey of your protagonist. And so you can have iconic manifestations of those villains, or you can have the journey of your hero and what he's yeah. put through because yeah. of it. Wyatt Earp's journey is minimal at best. Well, and if you if you look at the movie and you watch it, and if you pay attention, Wyatt Earp isn't on the screen a lot. If Wyatt Earp's on screen he's a secondary character. His character only has a few scenes where he's like the focus of the, the, the story or the focus of the scene because they were rewriting so much and he cut himself out of a lot of stuff. Sure. He cut himself out of a lot of films because he was so worried about getting the actors and the story moving along and doing that kind of stuff. It's easily argued that Val Kilmer steals that movie easily argued. And that's because his scenes are so important and why it's like, the calm down guy or the, Oh, I got your bad guy with the gun under the table. He's not the main focus. He doesn't become the main focus of the film until the last third of the film where he goes on his tear. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I, because he's the only one that's not like, well, there's, there's women in the, and kids in the street getting shot up. We've got to do this. It's that's Sam Elliott. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, Con- yeah. Convincing him because they've just kind of got that from the beginning, but the earth well, weren't like these law abiding citizens that were great. And, and like no 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 and and you can you can once again speak to the time period all the sheriffs all the lawmen bat masterson all the time period piece people they weren't flawless amazing moral right. characters they did what they had to in a time that was a lawless period right it really was right. a lawless period i mean right. the old west was eh, if you got a gun and you can outshoot me good luck i mean right. that's really what it was so to expect them to be flawless, to expect them to be moral, to expect them to withhold those morals no yeah. matter the situation, you can't. You no. can't hold them that at all. No, you can't. Just the movie's trying to tell you that they are. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, the problem. And I think, I think that's because they want you to like the heroes. They want yeah. you to like <laughs> Wyatt Earp. They want you to cheer for his character as he goes through this situation. And so I think, I think that's what it is. Well, sorry, Curtis. I think you. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, to kind of touch on generally what you were talking about there, I do think that Wyatt has two relatively clear arcs in the movie. There's his personal life thing, and then there's the kind of more like survival conflict thing. And on the latter, it's, you know, how far is he willing to go against his apparent resolve to be done with being a lawman to find, you know, peace you know, the, the basically to stop being assaulted by the cowboys and the Clantons. And the other is uh, how far is he willing to go to admit to himself what he wants out of a relationship with a woman? Right. He's uh, got two, he's definitely got two conflicts that he's dealing with throughout the whole movie. 
but that's what I mean. Like in the beginning of the movie, it's very focused on what you said, his his love life and what he yeah. wants. He can't make that decision. He's got these two people in his life. And then the Cowboys and Ike Clanton's character create this incredible conflict. Yeah. That's the root of the whole thing. You know, I don't want to be a lawman. I don't want to chase bad guys. I don't want to live that life anymore. And he sucked back into it, which is yeah. kind of the story of everything in the 90s. You know, if you look at all those movies, it was the hero stepping away from whatever life he had, and then he gets sucked back in. I don't do that anymore. Right. Well, exactly. I, 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 I think, though, the, like, the key thing for me on both of those uh, arcs is that, um, it, it, like we've already alluded to, in both of them, uh, Wyatt, if you're taking like a, a wide view on it, he doesn't exactly have the best behavior. He doesn't seem to try as hard as you think that he might uh, with his commitment with his you know, common law wife or whatever you want to call her. Um, And uh, he definitely breaks the law when he goes after the Cowboys. Like, you know, there's, there's no question that all of those killings are extra judicial, right? Yeah. But because this is a nineties movie and because Wyatt Earp is our hero, the movie seems to kind of expect us to cheer for him during that stuff anyway. Yeah. No matter Um, what. And, you know, again, as a teenager in the nineties, I absolutely just took that at face value. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, why it is doing the right thing. Cause he's the hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I probably have more complicated feelings about it. Well, of but course. Yeah, do you I think, think that's what the movie is purposefully doing with those absolutely. two stories? I, I think, I think the movie is totally doing that because of the time period. And mm-hmm. just like we've talked, um, movies in time periods from the thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, they all have a formula <laughs> that america wanted to see and even, whether even the, now even, even now, now yeah. yeah well i mean come on marvel right it, it's a formula that sells and the studios are going to do it no matter what whether we want to see it or not whether we'd rather see a quentin tarantino film it doesn't matter it it yeah. matters what's going to sell at the box office right and this was the box office formula this movie cost 24 million dollars maybe 26 to make it made 56 million dollars yeah. The Wyatt Earp movie with uh, Kevin Costner made over cost over $60 million, and it only made $25 million. So you're talking about a movie that was more historically accurate, had great actors, had a great cast, all that kind of stuff, but because it was so historical, that's not what people wanted to see. They wanted to see Tombstone. They didn't want to see Wyatt Earp, and so Kevin Costner's yeah. movie didn't do as well. Yeah, like, still- like, like, I, like I mentioned at the beginning, this movie really is Wyatt Earp as the legend or the myth, not yes. as historical. Or- completely, completely. Right. And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. There, there, There's always, there's tons of movies you can point to where the movie is based completely in the mythology of the character and what he's known for and what we want to see of him. And that sells because as people that are fans of the genre, like you said, you weren't, as a fan of the genre, I want to see Wyatt Earp in gunfights. I want to see Wyatt Earp take down the bad guy. Like, that's what I want to see. And Tombstone provided... Exactly what I wanted. Yeah, it's clunky. Yeah, it's got plot holes. Yeah, the characters aren't the greatest development, but the actors carry those characters so well that I'm going to watch that movie all the time, and I'm going to still enjoy it all the time. Speaking of that point, I I, I want to mention, I I feel like it would be bad if I did not get this point through because it's one of my favorite parts about the movie is, you know, we've already talked about how Val Kilmer kind of steals the film. um, And, you know, rightfully a lot of, the stuff that's remembered are stuff like say when, and you know, his other broadly sort of sardonic comedic lines, they're all fantastic. But I also think that 
Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday has the most emotionally poignant in the movie point in the movie when um, uh, somebody asks him, you know, why he's helping Wyatt on this revenge ride. Best thing, right? He says, right. He says Wyatt was my friend, and the other guy goes, "Well, heck, I got lots of friends." And there's this perfect pause, and very quietly he says, "I don't." Right. And I feel that in yeah. at that moment in the movie, I think that he totally sells it, and you do believe that. Doc Holliday is this guy who sort of lives really rough and raw life around the edges and isn't really the kind of guy that necessarily makes or has a lot of friends. But I, I, I truly like feel that he values the way that Wyatt Earp cares about him. And yeah, and at that time, that period, moment totally works for me. Yeah, and at that time period, men didn't have a lot of friends. Men didn't do that kind of stuff. And Wyatt Earp, I mean, uh, Doc Holliday's character, you look at him and you, like you said, you speak to his life. He's not one of those guys you you would really think. Oh, I can depend on this guy. Yeah, but he's he's kind of a son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> a he lot is, of ways. <laughs> he's absolutely a son of a bitch. But he gives up. He, he's willing to give up everything for this one guy because this one guy is his true friend. And I think that's something that's very relatable for men, women, anyone that sees the film. We can relate to that. We can relate to one wanting that type of person in our life. We yeah. can relate to being that type of person and. That's huge. That's that what is what makes Val Kilmer's character so iconic because he is out for himself. He he doesn't care about other people. He doesn't care about how he hurts other people or what he does. I mean, but this one guy is like, if he calls me at two in the morning, let's go. You know what right I mean? Up. That's so relatable. So relatable. So and I think like moments like that is a glimmer of like, oh yeah, that's that's a pointed scene. Um oh, almost lost this here. Sorry, guys. Um, that's something that's iconic or I can feel it, which is very, very sparse in this movie for me. No, um, I get it. And I feel like that formula that we're talking about, again, doesn't work in a period piece because I feel like it's at war with itself in its storytelling. And the formula they use is a plug and play formula that could have been done with any movie. Mm -hmm. It worked with an untouchables and we let's plug it in in 1930. And to me, it's kind of like, don't bastardize the concept of these historical figures with Hollywood formula. These are why we have issues like really like melodramatic, uh, Cecil B. DeMille, DeMille, yeah. DeMille films of the fifties and forties and such like that, where it's like good. It's a good movie, I guess, but is it accurate? No, it's a Hollywood version of, of Yul Brynner playing the Pharaoh. Right. And so it, it's kind of a similar formula for me. And it's, it's, troped with one-liners you have glimmers of hope because of val kilmer but val kilmer and gunfights can't be enough to be like for me to be like yeah. this is a movie that is heralded as good cinema and so without nostalgia you lose a lot lose a lot of that yeah would you say then that you think that your primary complaint about this movie is that it just has the wrong style for the material i yeah, I feel again. Yeah, I feel like it's at war with itself. It doesn't know what it wants to be because it wants to be a '90s action film with a bunch of stars with one-liners. I mean, you take Curly Bill, and I mean, great line, yes, well, bye. Yeah. But honestly, I've seen that character, that villain, in a lot of rom-com high schools films, mm -hmm. where it's just the bully in the back being like, <laughs> "Ringo, good job, man." And it's like my brother was like, "Wait, well, who's that actor?" And have I seen him? I was like, "Yeah, he's the bully in Napoleon Dynamite." Dude, he's it's not the same actor. He's it's the same character. He's like, bit, he's Biff from Back to the Future. Come on, yeah, 100%, he's Biff from Back to the Future, hundred percent. But but that's Hollywood, and that's it what we Hollywood. have to we have to get our mind around. 
is when we look at these movies and we watch these movies, we have to understand that this is made from a corporation that wants to tell a story, but wants to make money. That's the bottom line. We got to make money. This has to be profitable or there's no point in doing this. Correct. So Hollywood is going to find a formula. Well, I mean, we can, we just spoke to it. Marvel. They're going to find a formula, superhero movies. They're going to work it to death. And think about it, the last four or five Marvel movies have bombed because the audience have changed. The audience doesn't want to see that same story. They don't want to see that same thing. And so, and and not just that, the writing's been really bad and right, the, right. all the production value has been bad. But Hollywood has a has a temp. They have a pulse on the society. And when they know that pulse is going to make money, they're going to run that to death. They're going to run it into the ground. And we, as consumers, can't complain. Because that's what we want to see. We go to see the movies. We pay for the tickets. We pay for the streaming service well, but- because we want to see those movies. You are this yeah, in the society 100%. that is this. 100%. So when you see these movies, you, you have problems with that. You have problems with it not fitting the time period and not fitting what they're trying to tell. But the average American, the majority of America... We go to movies to have a good time. We go to laugh. We go to cry. We go to to be you know shocked or stunned, and that's all we want. It's a moment in time where we can separate ourselves from everyday life. That's well, all it is. And and there's two comments I want to pull on that. One yeah. is from Coleman. He's saying, "What about entertainment value?" That's what that is. That's it's what it is. Entertainment exactly, value. Coleman. That's exactly what it is. And and my brother makes a good point, which I thought was hilarious. Except when Val shoots three shots from a double barrel shotgun. That is a really good analogy of this movie. Fitting three <laughs> shotgun shells into two, a double-barrel shotgun. I got your argument. It doesn't I, work. I got your argument. I got your argument. But Arnold Schwarzenegger has never reloaded a gun in his life. True. <laughs> but can, never, you, but can you argue a lot of those Schwarzenegger films? Like, these are great movies. There's, Not, there's some, some of them are good. Are. Some of them are. Pre- Predator's solid. Yeah. There's, no. some, there's some good movies. Commando. But then Commando's great. But then you can also argue, okay, you're right. Eh, it's a little hokey. Yeah, you can't shoot three shots out of a double barrel shotgun. But can you block bullets with your jacket in John Wick? No. Is that the number one movie in America? Come on. It's also bad. It's but it's, <laughs> it's also still bad. <laughs> it's still what people want to see. We want to go, we want to be entertained. We don't need the laws of physics to drain down the movie. Well, and I think that like I remember it a, a long time ago, a job I had 10 years ago. I remember I was talking with this coworker of mine and she was like early 20s. And we we're talking about what's in the theater right now. And, and she brings up, oh, the remake of Footloose. And I was like, you went and saw this movie? And she's like, yeah, it was really good. And I was like, stop it. You're why these movies get made. You're exactly. And, and that's exactly um, why these movies are getting made, because that's what people want to see. I want to I, I, I want to talk about the the kind of third act or the sort of like action slash dramatic conclusion of the movie. Cause this is something I really only noticed probably the last time or two that I watched it. It's that, um, you know, there's that's sort of a series of montages as Wilder goes on his revenge ride or reckoning, whatever you want to call it um, that feel a little bit unsatisfying, right? Cause you know, we're a little bit detached. We don't know who the characters are that are being killed necessarily. It's just, montage of B characters taking shots at B villains and a lot of guys fall over and, you know, there doesn't, there doesn't feel like there's a lot of like personal oomph there, uh, which is why I think the movie specifically concocts the showdown between Wyatt and Johnny Ringo, where they're supposed to have this sort of like classic Western shootout in the woods. Right. Uh, um, uh, which I do like, I do like the way that it, that it, it concludes with, you know, a, 
begin bringing back in the depth of friendship that Doc has for uh, Wyatt by willing be willing to go do that. But I feel like the movie almost had to do that because the actual climax of this story with the Cowboys and the Clantons feels a little weak. Mm-hmm. I'd agree. I'd agree. I, I, I feel like the whole third act just fizzles out because the third act is the montage. That's why people were getting through this movie is to get to those montages. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's what we wanted to see. So it's like, yeah, and I guess there is a story in there and I guess there's room service in there as well, because we've got to wrap <laughs> it up somehow. Right. But it, it <clears throat> if your journey is that week when you spent an hour and 35 hour and 40 minutes, your payoff is also going to be weak. And I feel like that's why it concludes that way. And I yeah. think, I think that you can feel that it's weak and, and I think that's that's a personal opinion, and it's it's the way you look at the film and the breakdown of the overall film. I think the montage sequence at the end of the movie, where he goes on that tyrant of just where he's tearing through everybody, that's what we all want to see because we've seen through the whole movie Wyatt Earp trying to turn the other cheek, uh, push him off, push him off. We're not getting involved. We're not. I doing mean, it, you're right. I do want to see it, but we I think want it to see to- it. It, but it, it it needs to take the form of like that scene in the creek, which is actually based on historical events where Wyatt yeah, wades out right. into the creek and mm-hmm. gets shot at like five, six, seven times and does not get hit at all. Yeah. Something like that actually happened in real life. See that that scene is good because it feels more personal. Yeah. A lot of the other montagey stuff, it just it it feels a little bit like action movie filler to me. It feels like it feels like they're just trying to tie up loose ends. But yeah. I mean, you can go to the the scene that's the most iconic scene, like you spoke to, is the the Ringo and Doc Holiday final shootout. That didn't happen. No, they right, have right. no idea right. when Johnny Ringo was killed. They Val Kilmer didn't do him. that. Yeah, there's yeah. legends of who killed him. That didn't happen. That's the best scene in the movie. Well, oh, I love that scene. But see, the issue I even have with the creek scene is like you can have a beautifully large house that that has all the updated co- uh, like uh, conveniences and such like that. But if you paint it pink, it's going to look ugly. If you, have, <laughs> if you have Kurt Russell going out into the stream saying no, 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 like a robot, what are you doing? Right? Like, yeah, right. Part completely. I think it. I think them trying to trying to gain the gravity of the situation and right. doing that it was hokey. That's one of those scenes where. You're like, ooh, this is this is clunky. This is awkward. Whereas you have just seen Kurt Russell running out there and shooting everybody, you'd have been like, oh, this is great. He but, didn't have to make a statement. He but at the very least, though, that scene is White Earp, our protagonist, <laughs> and Curly Bill, one of our main antagonists. It's the very yeah, least. And, and then and you know, solving their conflict. Yeah, characters that we've been told to care about. At the very least, those two oh. are in it. So that's why, to me, it's still better than all the montage stuff. But, but yeah, here, yeah. here's a question for and you guys. And the montage stuff is, is pointless. I agree. I agree. The whole horse riding and they're shooting people off the horses and doing all that stuff. Well, it, 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 uh, that, all that stuff, it feels like it was like shot by second unit, right? Like, you know, yeah, just go yeah. out and get a bunch of shots of right, right. And riding we'll, on we'll, horses. We'll piece them together. And people falling over, and yeah, they'll fix it in the edit. It's fine. Yeah, and it just no, it you does feel. Like it. I, I think that you feel that it's a little yeah. perfunctory. Well, and also, do you do you, any of you feel any tension or worry for Wyatt's life when he goes out into the stream? Do you feel like, oh shoot, he's in a tough situation? I think um, not, I don't think in the stream. I think when he's laying on his back behind the tree, and he's holding his shotgun. And all the bullets are coming over, and there, you know, we got you. Billy says, "Oh, we got you in a little crossfire here," and you know, and the guys are shooting from the back and like that. And you see the tension in Wyatt's eyes because he's shaking, and he's like, "Shit, we're stuck." 
and then he makes that move into the stream and starts knocking people. I feel that's the part where you feel like, oh shit, they're kind of in trouble. Like, how are they going to get out of this one? And that's where the tension builds, and the release of that tension is him then wading through the water, like Val Kilmer says. What's he doing? He's probably down there walking on water. Yeah, because <laughs> it, it wasn't expected that he was going to do that and kill off those guys, even though they were surrounded. So yeah. the tension is him laying on the behind the tree with his shotgun, trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this, and then him making the conscious decision, I'm going to have to fix this. And he gets up and does it. But I feel like there's no, from my end, this is my opinion, yeah, yeah, is yeah, that I feel no worry for him at all. No, like, oh, what's going to happen? It's just, oh, he's going to go in the stream and he's going to shoot this bad guy yeah. finally. And a lot of other movies that depict scenes like that, you feel that worry, that, like, tug at, like, oh, is things going to go down? And I... But isn't that because we know he doesn't die there? I was just going to say that. Okay. The problem is it's a historical piece. And yeah. even though I say that loosely, we all know why it wins. We all yeah. know he lives. We all know he goes on to die in Colton. We all know this. <laughs> so you can develop a little bit of worry, but you know, you know, this sucks and this looks really tough. And how are they going to get out of it? But he does. And we all know. And like Curtis said, that scene is historical. It's, it's written down. People talked about that. It's something that, that was spoke upon that these people saw this. So, we already know with this movie, no matter what, okay. Wyatt Earp lives. We so, all know it. So the intention of that scene then is to depict the historical situation that he was in, not to create tension in the plot. I think that that scene was to give what you said, to speak down where he solves his conflict with Curly yeah. Brocious. He solves that conflict. And then after it all happens, we realize he realizes that, well, you know, I've got to still get Ringo. But then Val Kilmer says, you can't beat him. So I think that scene is just to to solve out Wyatt as the leader of the Earps to fight the leader of the Cowboys, right? And right, which right, is, right, right? Which is totally hokey and just like, well, we're going to pair these two up. We're going to pair these two up. You know what I mean? I get that, that it's awkward, but that's what it is. It's, okay, I'm going to end the leader of uh, the Cowboys, and then Doc Holliday is going to save my ass by killing Johnny Ringo, which didn't happen. But in the film, it all works. Yeah. It works. As a film goer, you get resolution of all the situations. See, and I, but I feel like at best, your resolution is very weak in most of the plot points. Well, and, and we've already agreed that, but that most of this plot well, is weak. But I'm saying like the resolution of coming full circle. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just, it's kind of, it leaves you empty handed. I, I, and yeah, I just think that that scene in the creek is a really good representation of the OK Corral and how that's choreographed and executed. And so many other pivotal moments are set against this, like, yeah, big start a movie I, concept that doesn't really work if you're doing a historical piece. Well, I, I, I my, my take on that is that it's sort of a, a necessary component of doing that thing that I mentioned at the start, which is this movie is conveying the legend of Wyatt Earp, and you kind of right. can't not have that moment because it's a big part of you know what made Wyatt a mythic character in the American West is stories like the event that happened at that creek and you kind of yeah. have to have it in there and I think that that's the problem and I think it's a problem that you definitely have and I think other people that don't like the movie have that problem too is they keep harking back to the fact that this is a historical piece no it's not it's not a historical piece no. it's really not it's based on legend legend is not history I mean, let's be honest. Legend is not history. This is a this is a legend piece. 
This is about a legendary lawman of the Old West and what he did. And what he did that made his name. This was his defining moment in history. Whether it's it's truthful or not. Right. It's the legend of the defining moment. We don't know if it's true. The history in that time wasn't written down. It no. wasn't. It wasn't well documented. And it wasn't honest, kept. And honestly, I don't come from a background of like investment in like the legend of the Earps and, and such like that. But what I will say is that if you're going to depict something like that, don't use it as your cash grab. Mm. And and that's what this movie is. It's a cash grab with big stars because, but, like, if you watch the High Women, you've seen the High. Yeah, Women? of course, great, great historical depiction. Yeah, how Bonnie and Clyde is depicted through that movie, how mm-hmm. they go down, how Love it us. finishes. Yeah, this is like a story worth telling. Versus, we need to make money. We have the formula. What's the backdrop? Oh, it's what everyone wants to see: cowboys shooting people. What's the plot? Well, that's secondary. What's the, what's the execution? That's secondary. Doesn't matter. We've got Tombstone. We've got Formula, and that is where I find a huge disconnect for this movie. So then, if I'm hearing you, and what you're saying about it is, is your issue isn't with the movie. Your issue is with the formula from Hollywood. I I think that it is. It's combining those two. Yeah. And the formula is at at one of its laziest points in in execution like we saw its heyday in the 80s mm-hmm. we saw its heyday in action films like that i mean no one's gonna i i don't think anyone would argue that kevin costner uh robin hood uh, prince of thieves oh my is a god good movie. <laughs> right. like it suffers from the same exact Absolutely. problems it just doesn't have val kilmer enough yeah. one-liners they took, and nostalgia to right. get it there they took a historical figure and they took and his myth they took his mythology right and they told their own story None of that is real. Right. Where did Asim come from? Right. None of that is real. But some people still find that movie enjoyable. And once again, but but this movie, and, and to my to what I'm trying to say is this movie is a guilty pleasure. It's an enjoyable movie that I'll watch repeatedly, that I'll quote, that I'll quote jokingly to make fun of, but it's an enjoyable movie that's a guilty pleasure. And there's nothing wrong with films like that. There's tons of films like that. Yeah, no. That, that are some of our best things. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, you can name a million I have tons of guilty like, pleasures. Yeah, me too. I yeah. do. Big Trouble in Little China. Kurt Russell. But, but, movie. but I think, too, there is an unspoken uh, society-like message of don't throw mud at the golden cow, which is tombstone like Dude, that's it's untouchable don't touch tombstone that's and, the the quintessential definition of marvel oh yeah marvel has taken disney is the golden cow yeah and all they're doing is putting out stuff Dude, if they make another star wars film i'm gonna lose my mind if they make another star wars movie i'm gonna lose my mind but you know why they're gonna make another one and they're gonna keep making them because people are gonna go watch it's gonna have a horrible story it's gonna have shitty characters they're not gonna be developed and it's still going to do good at the movies. Now, will it be a blockbuster? Maybe not. But they're going to keep making it because of one reason. Cash grab. Yeah. That's no, all it true. is. Um, can I, since we're, I think we're getting close to winding down here. I yeah. want to ask you guys about how you think this movie ends. Because there's that. It, it wraps up again with going back to the Robert Mitchum voiceover. Um, talking about uh, Wyatt and Josephine. And um, uh, they talk about Wyatt's funeral and how it's attended by. Uh, by you know Western early Western stars, uh, including Tom Mix, and the yeah, very last line yeah. of the movie is "and Tom Mix wept." Oh and yeah! I always yeah. just kind of like glossed over that when I was younger. Like, okay, fine, cool. Um, now I'm like, really? That's the note to end this story on? Is talking about how a movie star that went to 
uh, Weirup's funeral wept at the funeral, and that's the like final point that the the, the that you're making here. It strikes me as very weird. I don't know that it's necessarily bad, but especially when you consider like everything that came before to come back around to that point. I don't know. It strikes me as odd, but what do you guys think? I think it speaks to the legend of wider. I think it, to your point, Curtis, how you made, this isn't a movie, a historical movie. This is a legend mythology movie. Uh, the actor that you speak of, he played like some of the most iconic old cowboy movies ever made. Right. So when he was growing up and be a kid, his hero was Wyatt Earp. So if you're at your hero's funeral, you know, this is the, listen, Michael Jordan is a jackass and he's done <laughs> shit that everyone hates, right? He's done horrible stuff. He turned on all of his friends, right? When Michael Jordan dies, there'll be a million people that cry. No, that's true. So you're talking about a guy that characterized himself in the films based on the legend of Wyatt Earp that when he's at the funeral, he's overtaken with emotion. That speaks to how important the genre and the legend are to Americana. Yeah. These are these are iconic figures in history. And when you play them and you base your characters off him and you go to his funeral, you know that that's an end of an era. We've lost something of America. Whether White Earp was good or bad, you can argue that. But you've lost a legend that is pure Americana. Yeah. No, I think that's a defensible interpretation. I get it. Um, I, I feel like what the movie tries to accomplish with Wyatt Earp leaves that line empty because of the two hours and seven minutes that it, it you explains. You wasted of your life? Uh, uh, <laughs> well, that, but also of like trying to story tell what Wyatt Earp is. And if like, this is your depiction... Okay, that's your depiction. But yeah. he's he, to me, he's, he's a very two-dimensional character. The the people he loses are kind of sideline, side plot. So those lines mm -hmm. at the end, or him getting hooking up with Josephine at the end, is just kind of like, okay, well, that happened. And they got the room service. That's cool. Uh, almost but, like you could have had a, a, a stronger, like more poignant ending <laughs> if in real life Wyatt Earp had like, you know, uh, died doing something heroic rather than shaking hands it it and yeah <laughs> yeah i yeah i um I, I mean and i think we've kind of we've kind of been over i feel like the third act suffers for me and it's it's final climax and resolution also suffer for me um i i won't talk bad on doc's evolution i think it's it's good it i think it's 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 pretty good i really i think if there's any relationship that i enjoy in this movie is him and his girl like the 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 tug and pull of those two, and like she's effectively poisoning. Dude, him. he has the greatest line to her where yeah. he's like, "We need to reevaluate our relationship." And she talks about how good she is to him, and she takes care of him. And then he looks down at her, and he's smoking, and he goes, "And then again, you could be the Antichrist." <laughs> yeah. Come on, that's yeah. beautiful. Like that. There, there's a lot going on. There's underlying tension. There's good acting in it. It's not melodramatic. So that point in the investment, and I mean, it, it's how that relationship ends with uh Wyatt and uh Doc in the sanitarium. I think There's that's more moments. poignant. I think that's more poignant than anything because that ending where he's in there and you know they're talking and and Doc tells him, "Hey man, if you ever loved me, if you ever cared about me, right. don't come see me like this because that's not who I am and that's not yeah. who I want you to remind me, remember me as." And 
that's like what Curtis said. Doc is a true friend. Doc is like, hey, man, go find that woman. Go live your life and live your life because mine's over. And I think one of the best parts of that is when he's talking to him and they're, you know, they're talking to him, he gives him the book that's Doc Holiday and Wyatt or, you know, Doc Holiday, my friend, and yeah. all that stuff. I don't know if that's true, but I think it's cool because it shows as much as Doc Holiday was willing to sacrifice for Wyatt Earp, Wyatt Earp felt the exact same. He felt like this is my true only friend in life. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here. I'm going to come play cards with him. I'm going to sit down and do the stuff that he likes, even in death. And I think the best scene, the best part of that scene is when he does leave and Doc looks down and he doesn't have his boots on and he starts to laugh because Doc wanted to die with his boots on. Doc wanted to go out as a gunfighter or as a gambler, as, you know, he had stuff that was unfinished, but he made sure that his friend finished his task. That's huge. Yeah. Well, and, but I, yeah, I think that kind of speaks to my issues with like the whole brother relationship because you're kind of told that they're supposed to be really tight knit brothers. And it's mm -hmm. like, I don't see it like, and it doesn't even play out in the plot. So yeah, it's yeah. like, I think in the Kevin Costner film, the wider film, it, it has a lot more interactions with his brothers and it kind of speaks to where his brothers were and how they were there for him and, and their interaction as young kids all the way through until they were adults. So I think, I think you will enjoy Kevin Costner's version. Whereas society at large, Will not. Will not. Yeah, yeah. That's Will totally not. Sure. Now, uh, we're kind of coming, yeah, towards the end here. We're in the, the final third of HVC Havana City. I know Brian hasn't finished his yet, but. <laughs> right. He's on his second cigar. <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> uh, what, do you, what do you guys think about uh, where it's now and it's, it's final third? Not at all? I think when it, it ramped down and it kind of mellowed out, it's kind of stayed that way, okay. but it stayed very consistent. It hasn't. There's no bitterness. Yeah. There's no draw issues at all. I've only had to relight it like once, and that's just because we were talking so much. Right, it right. wasn't the cigar. So the construction is really good, and um, the flavor's great. The yeah. flavor's very good. I, I almost get like a savory, barbecue-esque type thing going on as we get to the final third. Like it's meaty in a way, mm. I guess. And it could be the, the, the rate of which I'm smoking. I'm not sure. But I, sweetness is definitely kind of dissipated for me. But it's definitely on the like savory side. Should yeah, I don't know that I'm picking up any savoriness. For me, it's kind of like narrowed to this sort of like um, earthy, maybe even slightly bitter, but not in a bad way. Uh, like, you know, like a leather character. Okay. Um, and it's kind of sticking in that lane for me. But okay. um, I don't know. I might be smoking a little faster at the end, too, which might have something to do with it. Yeah. Jip, you have a question? Back to the movie. Yes. Yes. Earlier on in the discussion, you said several times you discounted the nostalgia aspect of it. Yes. But that's because I think it's because you didn't have that connection. Correct. The nostalgia part is a big part of this. Mm -hmm. And that goes through the movie. I mean, not only him and the OK crowd, but everybody knows he came to California and he yeah. worked in Hollywood. He kept on movies and stuff yeah. like so, that. So the nostalgia, the part that you're missing is a big part of the movie. So Chip, and it may lean Chip's on it. Uh, making the point in terms of nostalgia is a big factor in terms of even nostalgia for Wyatt Earp's character of him coming to California uh, or even growing up with this movie and just kind of all that is intertwined through the, the whole movie. It is. I think the. I think 
Chip has a good point because I think the plot holes that you have so much trouble with and that Curtis has problems with and the clunkiness that you guys have problems with, because people that are nostalgic of the time, they were Wyatt Earp fans, they are Western fans, we have the ability to watch the movie and kind of fill in the gaps. Or, if you will, look past the holes. Sure. To see the the nostalgia come through, to see, oh man, this is what we want to see, this is how we want it to be. And it fills, it checks all those boxes, whether... They're they're done well or not, I agree with you. But I think the nostalgia of Wyatt Earp is so huge. And even like what Curtis said, that point about where he says he wept at it, it's because for him the nostalgia was crucial. The nostalgia was everything. We've talked that you know the history wasn't well kept at that time, but the legend is the legend of Jesse James. It's huge. It's all over the place. We don't even know. The legend of Billy the Kid is huge. It's, we don't even know. But you said it, young guns. The reason people went to see that movie, because it's about Billy the Kid. That's really, it's not a good movie, but it's fun. Well, and, and I think that, I, I mean, I'm not sitting here either saying that, oh, yeah, well, it's a horrible movie. I shouldn't play into it because there are, any, I don't care who you are, growing up watching movies, there will always be those movies of, for nostalgia's sake you, sake, you love it. And I would even argue a huge push for Star Wars. That's nostalgia, why, absolutely. Nostalgia plays a big part of it. The first yeah. three movies hooked a generation. And then that generation passed it on to the next generation, the next generation. Because we didn't get another movie for years after the first three. But as soon as those first those next movies came out, there were lines around movie theaters. Right. For no reason. We didn't even know what the characters were going to be. They were characters we didn't know because they were none of the nostalgic characters we, we knew about. Other than Anakin becoming Darth Vader. That was it. Well, and, and that's why in the beginning, I, I feel like this movie gets such a big pass because such a hard, hard percentage is nostalgia. Um, but actually, Mike brings up a pretty good point here, which brings us into our rating system. Mike says, I think that we should take a vote on whether Eric is wrong. And on Online, uh, I'm sure that vote would be overwhelming because this is the sacred cow. And it I'm is. the one slinging yeah. the mud at it for sure. Right, um, right. But first off, I will ask on a scale from one to ten for HVC Havana City. If you guys have smoked it, drop in the comments. Uh, Curtis, Zeke, what do you guys think? Where does this land? One to ten scale. I would uh, say no. Go ahead, Zeke. I'm sorry. I would say seven to eight. Okay. I'm like I said. I'm not a big HVC fan. I haven't smoked a lot of them. This is a good HVC. I would smoke this again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay. Yeah, uh, for me, it's in like the six to seven range. Um, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it. It's not just not my favorite profile, I don't think. Okay. Um, and I don't think that going into the final third here, it's got as complicated and interesting as I would like a cigar to be. Okay. Okay. So do you have a scale from? Uh, in the six to seven range, somewhere okay. like six, okay. six and a half. We'll say six and a half. Okay. Yeah, I would. I personally, I put like a seven point five, seven point eight, something like that for me. Um, I feel like it accomplishes what I want it to accomplish in terms of strength, flavor. Um, for me, there is a, a definite, like, noticeable change to the thirds that I enjoy, and I mean, I appreciate too what Rainier has done with with HVC and the evolution of the brand, uh, and just the variance. I mean, you smoke this, you smoke another one like Serie A, vastly different using different tobaccos. Um, I really enjoy it. Now, on a scale from 1 to 10, Don't drop do it down it. in the Don't comments. Don't do it! <laughs> scale from 1 to 10. Where does Tombstone fall on that scale? And this is not a, well, from a, a, a movie standpoint, this is purely off of your own opinion. Rewatch yeah. value factor in 
action film, whatever. Where does this lie for you guys? Go ahead, Curtis. Um, I, I think the like current me take on the movie would put it in the neighborhood of a, a seven or so. I, I like um, the way it portrays Wyatt as an intimidating person because that was something that's true from history. And I think that's like the strongest aspect of his character in this movie. Um, so those moments where you really get to see him be that guy, I think are really great. But otherwise, I feel like this is a movie that's very much akin to the first Pirates of Caribbean, the Caribbean in that it's a ho-hum, you know, kind of pop culture version of the genre that it's portraying that is remembered well and elevated by a very charismatic performance from somebody playing a side character. In Pirates, it's Johnny Depp. In this, Val Kilmer makes the movie, I think, you know, 50% better than it would be without him in it. So for me, I, it, I have to rate it in a couple ways because like, as far as a Western goes in the Western genre and all that kind of stuff, I think it's an eight. It's, it's good. It's not perfect. It's not historical. It's not, it's not amazing. As far as a, a watch or an enjoyment level, it's a 10. I'll watch this movie anytime it's on. I love Val Kilmer's character. Man, we didn't even talk about one of the small scene in the movie, but one of the most memorable scenes is um, Billy Bob Thornton. Come on, man. He's oh, yeah. And he's telling the guy sitting next to him, would you get that damn cigar out of my face? He's like, playing cards <laughs> with my damn kids. Yeah, playing cards with you is like playing with my kids, yeah. Yeah, frustrating, whatever he says. I mean, it's great. And then he comes out, and he's going after Wyatt Earp, and then Val Kilmer jumps right in, which makes that scene so important. That I, I, I mean, it's it's comical. It's so good. Yeah. You know, he's like, Johnny Tyler. And he's like, oh, I forgot you were there. You may go now. Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And w- there's so many scenes like that that make this movie so rewatchable, so hilarious, so enjoyable and quotable that it's a 10 in that aspect. Now, from a movie guy who loves Westerns and digs that kind of stuff, it's an 8. It's, it's an 8, maybe a 7.5 because it's not perfect. It's not a perfect movie by any chance. But it's a great movie. Okay, so we got some some ratings coming in here. Raider Dave saying it's a one thousand. <laughs> Raider Dave, Jason <laughs> saying a one thousand percent. Andrew saying, but I would want to see pirates again. Oh, <laughs> uh, I like and, pirates too. Andrew, Andrew front shame. Uh, yeah. Mike is saying eight. Mariana seven point five. Um, I would say. I mean, I've explained a lot of the reasons that I have problems with this. Uh, here here even, it comes, everybody. Even rewatch <laughs> value. Would I want to watch this movie again? No. It was a job already in of itself, watching it again. Um, I feel like nostalgia plays a big part in this movie. You're about to be so wrong. When you grow up watching certain <laughs> movies, you're going to love that movie. Okay. I liked Air Bud at one point when I was five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Angels in the Outfield. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like if you remove nostalgia... And Val Kilmer does a great job, and he he's pulling it up Uphill. by his teeth. I give this movie mm. a three point eight out of ten. What? Are you crazy? <laughs> if Val Kilmer was not in it, it would be a two point five. It's and this will be the last movie movie by uh, Eric Grayson. <laughs> you, you know that you know that if you guys see the movie uh, A Million Di- Ways to Die in the West by Seth MacFarlane, hilarious. Tombstone's funnier. You are just so out of your head, man. Your hat is too tight on your head. The you you smoke too many cigars. The amount of times watching this movie and laughing did you out drink loud. Before I got here, it, it's just, just it's 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 a it's got problems. It's got a lot of problems. <laughs> um, but 
I very much enjoyed the conversation. Uh, it, was a, it was a blast. It was fun. It was, it was a great show. It is a show that needed to happen. Um, and I'm glad we got together to do it. Absolutely. Do it. Absolutely. And mostly I said those things for Raider Dave's sake. Cause yeah, that Raider Dave is <laughs> running around his room right now. <laughs> I, I might've lost a few customers tonight. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, at yeah. least a five, maybe Val Kilmer should have had more, more moments, <laughs> but I mean, Val he, should have, he should have played everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're now we're now a half wheel of movie critics. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but no, great, great uh, show. Thank you guys for joining on. It was fun. Most a great cigar. Great conversation. And that's that's what this is about. So uh, we will see you guys next week. Um, I believe Coleman has the pick next week. And so we will be posting on what yeah. we're going to be smoking and talking about. Uh, but a great way to kick off. 2024 so thanks so we again. have a, 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 another episode next week yes that's exactly my game <laughs> i thought you were yes! about to say i thought you were about to say i've not yet to begun to defile myself <laughs> also true also true so true <laughs> oh yeah there we go raider dave saying stay on the western theme three amigos yes yes three great amigos movie. is a great movie great movie <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much. We'll uh, see you next time.